the bowling alley. The smell of freshly smoked cigarettes, greasy day-old hot dogs, and sweaty bowling shoes. There are two in love making out by lane eight, a pair of siblings fighting over the chip covered in the most nacho cheese by the pinball machine, and a receptionist in pigtails and braces blowing bubblegum smacking across her face. Why would two unmasked men come and slaughter the slow Saturday morning crowd? Were they in a league of their own, trying to get the perfect strike, sparing no one? A good man once said, Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling, there are rules. Welcome everyone to another episode of Talk Murder to Me. We are live and... We have a very special guest, D here. What's up, D? Thank you for having me. You guys are oh, wonderful. Thanks for wonderful coming. People. We're so happy right, you're here. You all can, the way from New Mexico. Well, I'm gonna way. take the I'm gonna take the knife away from your throat now. You can tell them what you <laughs> really think. <laughs> you guys have been keeping me here for two days and I haven't eaten. What the right. fuck? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> As as we say, like stuffed to the gills. That's for right. Brunch. They, they treated me very well for brunch, and everything that you people are seeing live, they are actually that way in person. They're very We're wonderful, really crazy, and real really life. beautiful humans. Beautiful humans. Aww. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're glad you're here. We're, you. we're glad you're in our mansion. Thank you. I did. It's huge. You guys have no idea oh how my big God. your house is. Thank you. So much. Oh yeah, this, this is where John's fishing. A very elaborate pool outside. <laughs> yes, Somebody picked me the up. Pool boy. Yes. Oh, his yes. name is Pablo. He's my boyfriend. I'm checking Pablo out. What are we drinking tonight? So this is called the Autumn Apple. Um, to celebrate fall, it is uh, two ounces of tequila. No, excuse me. One ounce of tequila, two ounces of apple cider, an ounce of uh, lemon juice, and um, some... I mean, we didn't have any simple syrup, so I just put uh, a spoonful of sugar in. Spoonful yes, like sugar Mary Poppins. Some medicine. <laughs> and, uh, and the drink this evening came from a recipe book that uh, Dee had gotten for us as a gift. Cocktails from New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is uh, one of those cocktails to celebrate where Dee is from. It's delicious. It is sure. good. It so Dee, tell us all about yourself. Um, I In am 10 32 years old. <laughs> um, I have. I was raised in another place called New Mexico, very different from here. Mm-hmm. It's much drier. Oh. And um, what's, I have what's the education uh, ranking there in New Mexico? If you uh, don't it, mind me it, just asking. Again, once again. Total <laughs> random question. <laughs> We, we fight with the world's worst um, education in the states with Mississippi. Mm-hmm. There you go. So Mississippi, we're in competition with the world's worst edu- public education and the poorest state. I we didn't fight. realize that that mm-hmm. New Mexico is one of the poorest states. Very poor. I knew, knew, I knew Mississippi, but I thought because, well, the, you know, you have, well, I don't know. Well, so, you know, meth dealers don't really pay taxes. That's why. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was doing meth right before we got on. <laughs> she's from, she's from around where Breaking Bad was filmed. That's I awesome. was actually. I know um, the Amadio's Pizza, the pizza re- the, where they threw the pizza on top of the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Is constantly being barraged with people who threw. Oh their my god, that no would suck. They have constantly had to move people out because they always throw their pizzas up on. The oh my god, man. Yes, and we see the um, bouncer driving around because they do. <gasps> they do the Breaking Bad 
Tours. Um, tours. A tour. Oh, yeah. yeah cool. So the bouncer runs around a lot and you get to see that. So it's Do, really cool. Tell That's her, uh, awesome. tell Jen what El Pollo uh, Loco is in real life. It is, um, what's the name of it? Twisters. Twisters. It's a Twisters restaurant. Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So we have, um, so they normally sell lots of burgers, green chili covered on everything from our fries or cheese burgers. Mm burritos you name it they have it on there i'm so sorry i wasn't up close well, you're good. no you're good okay. we can hear you <laughs> um but yeah that's Hello. what it is it's actually a twister's restaurant okay is that a chain or is that like a it's a chain in albuquerque solely mm-hmm. i, I was, love that. i thought it, i thought it I sounded familiar twisters no i guess not you think you're thinking of hooters Oh, yeah. Hooters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we only have one boob at Twister. It's not both. So it's a I saw, I saw a meme on Facebook that had like the S in the Hooters was um, not lit up. And it was like the economy is rough everywhere. <laughs> like, Hooters is down to one boob. Everybody. World's worst um, moment is when you only have one boob at Hooters. One. As long as it's a nice boob. As, yes. If it's a pretty jiggly wiggly, you're good to go. It's so great to have y'all. Yeah. Both virtually and in person. Oh, thank you. Again, thank you. Yeah. All of you for having me. We're so me. excited. And we are going to enjoy our surprise shots okay. tonight out of uh, shot glasses brought from D from Albuquerque. They have a uh, buffalo. buffalo on oh, them. Buffaloes. So there's a Buffalo house um, on the Rio Grande, which is where Is it Buffalo all... Bill's house? No, it's a very rich neighborhood called Rio Grande, and it is this mile long. So we used to have buffaloes that were on a property. So every time oh, you really? drove by, you wow. saw these giant buffaloes. So it was the Buffalo house. I've never seen one in, in real life. life. They're huge. i bet. Yeah. They don't have it anymore, but they still have now. They have um, art. Of buffaloes at that property on Rio Grande, mm. so you can tell what, what happened to the buffaloes. I don't. They probably eat <laughs> <laughs> food. Aren't they like they're not not um uh? Are they like almost extinct at this point? Like they're. I don't look at me. That's the difference between a buffalo species, and a bison. Or they're not ex- extinct. They're um endangered. I thought. They're, so you find them most like in South Dakota and the Badlands yeah. and stuff like that. Oh. They'll have men. They're huge. They'll look down on a big truck and and you see a little tiny eye in this giant, huge, enormous buffalo. They're huge. Wow. They're bigger than a car by far. By what? bigger than a forerunner. They're huge. <gasps> Beautiful creatures. This sounds delicious. They are. They taste very good. All right. So Dee picked out our surprise shot today. Yeah. This is for Darren? This is for Darren. Birthday shot. Darren has uh, been a a longtime listener and he is now a a supremo. And it was his birthday on Friday. So happy birthday, birthday. Darren. From across the pond. Another from one Libra to another. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) So cheers, Darren. Cheers. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Ooh, that's got to be wild turkey. Mm Mm-hmm. So I got some really interesting stories today. Maybe Dee can help us out and tell us if she has seen this place. Yes. Oh, I oh. know exactly <laughs> which goes, one oh. we're talking about. <laughs> yep. Fuck. This is famous. How she says, oh. Uh, oh, <laughs> no. This is famous. Very good. 
Very good pick, John. This is famous. She says, oh. Good story pick. Good hey. Does this happen to be in New Mexico? Yes. Las Cruces is on the border of Texas, Mexico, and New Mexico. So oh, when you, it's almost it, like the Four Corners. Yes. There you go. Except for South. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know. Shit. Where Nicole's yeah. a geography So winner. Las Cruces means the crosses. So oh. Las Cruces oh, okay. usually will have three crosses when you see it. So you're going to have one large cross and two two smaller oh. crosses. Like huh. the Father, Son, Holy Spirit thing. So the you're going to have the trilogy. So Las the Trinity. Cruces Trinity. means the crosses. Like in Calvary. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Calgary. Calvary. 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 Mm-hmm. So do you requested this today. story? Las Cruces Massacre. I don't know how much you know about the story. Not enough. Okay, well, I, I'm going to tell you everything about the story. Good, trust thank me. You. But um, this is still unsolved. It is. What? <laughs> That's right. And it's it still should unsolved. not be. So this That's is the La- Las Cruces. I'm saying that right, right? Las mm-hmm. Cruces. Las Cruces. Bowling alley. It actually, and I know you know about the story, but it was actually sold off, and it was two bowling alleys after this incident. Oh, okay. And obviously. I mean, who the hell's gonna go here? As you, you this guys is about not to see. my Friday night bowl. <laughs> yeah, you, no, it's not your I'm normal not a bowling fan of alley. Bowling. No, no, you would never want to go here. And it's just not fun for me. You should go to the the. There's a place in Ladson called Stars and Strikes. It's like a, a Dave and Buster's and a bowling alley all in one. I've never been to mm. Dave and Buster's. I know that seems fun to me. It is fun, but bowling alleys. I don't know. There's just it's like okay, I'm gonna wear someone's stinky shoes and put my fingers through some holes and not because like that. <laughs> that sounds like my every Friday night. <laughs> stinky shoes and stinky fingers shoes and holes. stinky holes with fingers. <laughs> This is why just, I came here. Just <laughs> add some, just add some uh, fish tacos in there, and we'll be all good. <laughs> if you go, Nicole, that was perfect. I'm just saying, it's not my idea of a good time. <laughs> well, not stale, your idea. Stale fucking nachos? No. Speak Thank for you. yourself. Um, <laughs> right. Well, if you go duck pin bowling, you don't have to put your well, fingers in the hole. That's a Massachusetts thing. I like duck pin bowling more. Because mm-hmm. it's a small ball. Yeah. <laughs> Dee, have you heard the 911 call that came in? No, I don't believe I have heard it. And if I did, it was quite some time ago because this happened. Do people know this story? Ago. Like, yes. does your kids know the story? No, my kids do not because it's so old. But if you've been around New Mexico oh, no. and you know anything about Las Cruces, you know this happened. Yeah. And it was very, oh, wow. It was very shocking to well, What do you all think about, them. and we're going to get into the story, obviously, but what do you think about it still being unsolved? I think that's typical of New Mexico. That's really? Where, yes. We have, um, please forgive me, New Mexicans. I think you guys can, can understand me. We don't have the best cops. Things that could be mm-hmm. very obvious to you may not be as oh, obvious so you, to them. That's interesting. So you think this may be... A, a police mishap? It may be. Okay. I, we're going to get into it. This is a, this is a pretty tragic... This is a, this is a right. crazy story, and it's unsolved currently, and it shouldn't be. You know what I'm saying? Like it shouldn't be. And I think there's some things here that I believe the investigators need to take a second look at, mm-hmm. as you'll see. Yeah. Because I mean, there's some cases that's just like, come on, man, like for real. Yeah. <laughs> it slaps you in the <laughs> face, the and you're like, you didn't see that? Nope. <laughs> All right, so we're going to listen to this uh, 911 call. We're just going to go ahead and play it. Okay. It's only five minutes. Let me give you some context. Only five minutes. That's a long time for a phone call. 
Well, should I shorten it, Jen, for you? No. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like... <laughs> what the fuck? In the morning at a bowling alley, Las Cruces bowling alley, two, two men broke in, not masked at all. Bandits. I guess you guys call them bandits out there in New Mexico, right? Yeah, we do. Okay, good. Banditos, actually. Banditos. Oh, oh banditos. <laughs> you don't mess with Las the banditos. banditos. Man. Oh, I like your actually, it's a, it's a, it's a motorcycle gang, Los Banditos, and they're pretty rough. You got to stay away from them. What, actually. Jen? They're all pussies? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, really? I'll fucking take him on, man. She's my chola. She's my chola. taking him on. That's for sure. Jen's like, please stay. keep me out of it. Murphy's law. I got your back, Jen. I'll never let the cholas hurt you. So nine one one call comes in from a twelve year old girl, which you're about to hear. She is describing the scene. Now these unmasked men were robbers so they they took money and they i guess if you want to say so they wouldn't have any witnesses they executed everyone and she survived so this is the 911 call and i'm going to show you i've got all the evidence photos and all the death photos and everything so i'll put those on talkmar.com you definitely want to see these because it really puts this in perspective and it really pisses you off because this this is, should be solved it should have been i solved. feel like america should get together and be like all right before we do anything else let's take care of this yeah why you know wasn't it on unsolved mystery it was actually that's i think a, it was wasn't it <laughs> actually no that's a really good point you brought up mm-hmm. it was the the fastest time the fastest turnaround time ever in Unsolved Mysteries. Whoa. They, they, this happened in February. They turned the episode around by early March. Wow. Yeah. And as you'll see why they didn't do a like a body reenactment, you'll see mm-hmm. why. But they did put the, the sketches and out. They did put the sketches out and everything. This is the fastest time they've ever put an episode together. Interesting. So, yeah, that's a good point. Well, it, you know, I do have to make a comment. Like, it's crazy when you think about the state of the world right now and what the pandemic has done to us. And he's like, two unmasked men. I'm like, oh, is there not a mask mandate in effect right now in the 80s? <laughs> I got confused for a second. That's so what you get when you go to New Mexico. Fucking New Mexicans, yeah, it's man. so funny. I was like, oh, wait, okay. Not, no, not, not, no COVID. not COVID. Not that kind of mask. I love my hometown, New Mexico. I don't mean anything by that. <laughs> All right, so here we so here we go, guys. And I'll put this on talkmore.com, the uh, number one call. Did she say all of us were hurt? Yes. Yeah. So she, this is a 12-year-old girl calling, and she says there's a there was a shooting, a lots of shots fired. In fact, you'll hear her say a couple things. Quote from her, as you'll hear, she heard a lot of shots. Quote, I heard gurgling, or excuse me, quote, I heard a gurgling sound, and my mom would not answer me, end mm. quote. And... Another quote, I heard somebody and it sounded like they were drowning in their own blood, end quote. So she and she's a trooper to to actually be in that situation and make this call. Yeah, for 12 years. Yeah. And in fact, I was reading an interview that she was doing. Her school had taught the kids 
a week before about 911. Wow. So that was like fresh in her mind. So immediately that's what she did. And she she is she's still alive and she is she is a very I mean strong person. Oh, you were hurt? Okay, we'll get an ambulance rolling. Please. Okay. What's your name? Melissa Repass. Please hurry. Okay, Melissa, we've got him dispatched. Did you see who did it? No, sir. They told us all to get down. They shot me five times. <gasps> Alright. Oh my gosh. So, Holy shit. Did you hear what she just said? She yeah. got shot five times. So, and how old did I say she was? Twelve. Yeah. She is a trooper, man. So, just hang on, take a deep breath. Patrol units in route. How many people are hurt? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven people are hurt. Yes, I think. I seven subjects hurt. Okay. Do you hear that in the background? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think that is? Okay, Melissa. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. Oh, my God. Melissa, I've got an ambulance and I've got the police officers in route. They'll be with you just shortly. Okay. Okay. You didn't see what any of the Mom, men were wearing? All of our money. You didn't I see what any kind of the men were wearing or anything? No. Nothing, huh? They just walked in? Uh-huh. Do you know if they were black men, white men? Mom, black men. They're both black. Two black men? Yeah. Okay. That is an amazing person right there i mean i'm just like what was on, what was on fire i'm um yeah you're gonna see confused. okay no, so basically the men that broke in and i'm gonna get to the whole story but they rallied everyone in a central location in the main office and then they shot everyone there everyone there and then they lit the desk on fire i don't know why i guess hmm. i don't know you're about to see it doesn't make any sense why they would do that because, I mean, they didn't have any accelerant or anything. They just lit it, and it was like, oh, I hope this burns down the whole place. You know, I and I guess it probably would have done a lot more damage if, you know, Melissa, the uh, the caller, didn't make the call. But you're, you're going to see all the photos. I'll put them on talkmore.com, too. So can you kind of recap what you just heard? Okay, so we've got a, a 12-year-old girl who's been shot five times calling the police and saying every single person she counts seven people were shot in the room. And I don't, I I think she's the only one conscious. It sounds like. And there's also a fire and two unmasked men, two African-Americans did this, came in and shot, shot them. These are the victims right here. Oh no. So if you want to go and, and kind of go through their names, and their ages, you can see how fucking fucked up this is. This is uh, from, I think this is from this, uh, let's see, I have the paper here. I'll put all my sources on talkmore.com. All these are from uh, some pretty old newspapers. V. Taren, two-year-old, killed. Yeah, that's Valerie. Um, P- so, so let's say that again. V. Taren, a two-year-old. A two-year-old. Was killed. Sorry, these men, think about this. These men come into the bowling alley and their their method of killing people is a gun. She was shot intentionally. Was, um, were they real bullets? Because if she was shot five times, like, were they blank? Uh, like Who? Were Melissa? The, no. The caller. Okay, so what I found out is she was only shot twice, I'm pretty sure, and I hope I'm saying that right, but it was through her hand and in her head. Wow. And she actually, there's a real- It could have been like shards of something in her feet that mm. she felt. Well, so she heard the shots, and there were a lot, because you have seven people in the office, as we're about to get to, 
and they basically emptied their clip. So they they pumped at least 50 shots, at least, if not more than that, into everyone execution style, by the way, which was really close range. But so she got hit twice. She may have got hit three times, but she did hear all those shots. So when you when you get shot in the head, it doesn't matter how you you think you probably got shot like 100 times, you Mm -hmm. know. I mean, you're still shot in the back of the head. It's fucking terrifying. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. P. Holgan, five years old, shot in the head. S. Turan. Yeah, Stephen Turan. Took his girls to work. Yeah, so if you go, you see Valerie, yep. the first yep. two-year-old. Same that's name. that's yep. his youngest daughter. Um, Hauser was 13 when she died. Yeah, that was Amy Hauser. She was the... She worked part-time in the bowling alley. She was a good friend of Paula. They would hang out together. And as we're about to get to, they both had confronted the killers before anyone else. Paula meaning the five-year-old? Or are you talking about Stephanie? There's a lot of people here, and I'm sorry. Oh, oh, Valerie is the the two-year-old. Paula is the five-year-old. And then... Amy Hauser is the 13-year-old. Amy Hauser and Paula were were friends. And I mean they were all friends, but they they were they confronted the killers before anyone else. Pa- wait, Paula the 5-year-old or Paula a different Paula? No, no, Paula H- Hogan right there. Yeah, the 5-year-old. Wow. Yeah. The 5-year-old helped confront the shooters. Well, not, not helped confront. They were just first Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I don't I shouldn't have Sorry. said that. I'll get to Sorry. that. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, wow, what a brave fucking five-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. I mean. No, I'll, I'll get, once I get to the story and, and map the story out, you'll understand. Um, and Sinak died years later from injuries. Wow. Okay, so. And this was, so this was exactly 1990, so border. Yeah, this was February 10th, 1990. That's when this happened. All right, the survivors, I'm going to kind of go through them again. Well, the survivors you don't see here, but the victims, Steve Turan, 26. So only two survived. Well, hold on a second. 34-year-old Stephanie Senak survived. She is the daughter of the Las Cruces Bowling Alley owner. So the Senak, the Senaks. And there's two of them because one did die. Yes. The the way that this newspaper presents presents it is very confusing. There's a a lot of people, and I I, I apologize. The the 911 caller was Melissa Sinak. Okay. However, if you remember, she went by Melissa Repass. That's her name. She's like the stepdaughter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So she was the caller. She survived. Then the Sinaks, Ron, this guy that's not here, Ron Sinak, he's the owner and then, as you see, uh, Melissa is his stepdaughter. Okay. Sorry, this is really confusing. No, you're good. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to all these people. Steve Turan, 26 years old. Valerie Turan, two years old. The stepdaughter, Polly. Hogan. Hogan, I'm sorry. It's Hogan. Hogan. Is, okay. is that a common name? Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah, you correct me because you know I'm yeah. shitty at names, I'm, <laughs> and I never pretend to be good at them. And Spanish names are kind of difficult. Yeah, you're not raised around them. Yeah, Hogan. Well, I never meant to be. I don't mean to be disrespectful. Oh, I'm just a fucking not ignorant. Absolutely not. No, Southern. it's not even ignorance. <laughs> it's a matter of what you know. I, so Hogan. 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 Mm-hmm. And that's Spanish name. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically, here's what you need to know right now. Valerie Paula. And Steve Turan. Steve Turan is the father. Paula Hogan, 
Hogan, Paula Hogan is a stepdaughter of Steve Turan. Okay. And Valerie Turan is his biological daughter. Got it. Now, they weren't actually, we're going to get to this, but they weren't, weren't actually supposed to be there. The police actually believe that they walked in on the crime. Steve Turan is the part-time mechanic there, and he, you know, he's got a new baby, two years old. He's trying to provide some in, extra income. So he walked in there, and it's actually very sad. The uh, Audrey, the wife, or the now the widow, she's remarried now, but she, I mean, she basically lost her whole family. She has two daughters, right? Valerie and Paula Hogan is basically their daughter too, stepdaughter. She loses her whole family mm. in a blink of an eye because all three of them are dead. That's that is fucking sad right there. She loses everything she has. And and not only that, but the, the reason that the kids were even there is because that one particular day they couldn't find a sitter, you know, because she's in cosmetology school and, you know, he's got to work the bowling alley. So he usually just brings them with him when there's no sitter available, which was the day, you know, and he just walks in on it and that's it. But so we'll get to that. Do you guys like this? This is okay. Sad. Very sad. The next story is not sad, I promise. But she requested this D, so blame her for the shit. I would like to take on all of everything personal today. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take it. There was also a bowling alley cook, Ida. I hope I'm saying this right. Hidalgo. Mm. Yeah, that's correct. She is a survivor. She is still alive. Okay, now the survivors. Because there are a few. If you watch a documentary that I'll put on talkmore.com, it's extremely well done. It's called A Nightmare in Las Cruces. Extremely well done. 2011, a filmmaker went in there and basically did the whole case and was trying to bring new, new light, new evidence, and new leads and stuff like that. But all of these survivors are interviewed, and they are are all suffering from intense PTSD, like you would imagine. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, and it's, the the documentary is really well done, but it is such a tearjerker to watch, man. May I ask one more time what the name of that documentary was? Yeah, it's called uh, A Nightmare in Las Cruces. A Nightmare in Las Cruces. Thank you. It's really well done. So they, he- Was it on Netflix, did you say? No, it's on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, and- I mean, it's it's one of the best ones that I've ever, ever watched. I usually try not to watch documentaries for it, but there's only so much the newspapers would cover on this case, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like. And I it's a long time ago. So yeah. the, the longer time goes by, the the less likely you're going to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sad because she was a two year old mm-hmm. and a five year old little girl. I These know. were people. Little they babies. They were loved. Yeah. They were somebody's babies. Yeah. All of them were somebody's children and moms and dad. So a little bit about the murder before we really dive into it. Seven people were shot, four children, four people were dead initially. However, one died later, years later, from complications of the the shooting, like of medical complications. So technically, well, yeah, it's five victims total that have died, but four initially. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's why the papers, if you see the papers, they'll say, you know, there were four victims, but one died years later. So this was the morning of February 10th, 1990. 
And this was early in the morning, early, early in the morning. This was 8.35 a.m. And the bowling alley opens at 9 a.m. So everyone is that's there is getting ready for the day. And then these two bandits come in there and they try to rob the, the bowling alley. And they're trying to make it in there before... I wouldn't say crowd. I don't think a lot of people are showing up. But, however, I did find in the newspaper where it said that same morning there was a junior league game for youngsters that was scheduled. And they they, they were scheduled to get there at 9 a.m. So they actually arrived, you know, to see the whole thing police taped. But, hmm. so, it's very brazen that two guys would walk into this little town in, in uh, New Mexico and do this early in the morning. Anyway, I mean, it's re- like, what's the motive here? Uh, what were they? What What are they getting out of this? Were they well, purposely what, trying to murder these children? You know, like, was that the end game of this whole thing? What they was it related? Do you think maybe yeah. to? So my question is: Is how many freaking idiots out there think that? Really, bowling alleys carry any large amounts right. of money. Right, right. So like, gonna... is that the motive? Okay, yeah. okay. Right. All right. Could that possibly really be the motive? But in a small town, was that maybe like the the place to hang out? So on a Saturday morning, it will have maybe would have had more cash than. But also, it was any a, other. That's yeah, a good question. yeah. That's a good question. Las Cruces back in 1990 was a lot smaller than it is now. It is a university town, so we have New Mexico State University is in Las Cruces. So it's a college town, yeah. and it butts up against Mexico and Texas. Yeah, or right out the those three areas are right in that area of Cruces. All right. So before we go any further, tell me tell me what you know about the case since I kind of overviewed it, and what your thoughts are as far as who would do this, why they did this in the morning, type of thing. Because we're gonna dive pretty deep into it, yeah. and I have my own theories or whatever. But tell me what you think. Just and and you being in New Mexico, you're kind of familiar with the. I, I would imagine more familiar than most of the other people because no one's really familiar with this case. Yeah. yeah. What do you think happened? Do you think you know these two men crossed the border? Is that why they were never caught? Because we got their pictures, not pictures, but their sketches. Like we know exactly what they look like. Hmm. Well, the thing is, is about Las Cruces is it since you're at the Mexico, Texas, and New Mexico border, imagine what your possibilities mm-hmm. are of escape. Yeah. yeah. So there's nothing to keep you in there. They could yeah. have split up too. They could have split up. One they way. could have gone one way. They could have gone to mm. El Paso. They could have gone through Las Cruces and gone up through Albuquerque. Well, why would they stop in, um, as you'll hear the, the, uh, the main investigator, his name, and I'll get to, I think his name was a uh, Rubio, Paul Rubio, I believe I'll get to his actual name, but he said, no one just stops by in Las Cruces and says, Hey, I want to rob this bowling alley. Like no one would think to do it's that. It's certainly exactly. not a big money heist. It's you not know? A, yeah. Oh no, not if, for, I mean, think, all right. The total what, bounty wait, was, was any money taken. Yeah, there was between four to five thousand dollars taken. I've mm. seen different. I mean, I've that's seen not different. Small. No, especially if you're in the nineties. Yeah. I've seen different reports. Whether it's four thousand or five thousand, it's between there. But if you divide the number of victims, which is five by five thousand, that means each head was worth a thousand bucks to them. And Why what would they? Mother would ever say my daughter and child oh, yeah. is right. worth a thousand bucks for right. their head. Well, that's the you thing, um, as we'll get to, okay, you kill people to, so there's no witnesses, but a two-year-old? Yeah. yeah what's like, a two-year-old you know what I'm saying? Duty? Exactly. Bite your knee? True. 
I mean, so, they, were they going to identify against you? In exactly. Court? I can't remember anything either. Their right. their mentality at two is not enough to comprehend. Right. Let alone remember a face. So right. two year old. Mm-hmm. So this hap- So this happened February tenth, early Saturday morning. The uh, two masked men, which you're about to see, their sketches at least. We have com- we have sketch artists like the actual hand sketch and computer sketches. They bust into the bowling alley. They're unmasked and they herd everyone into one one room, which is the office. And Captain Fred Rubio, who is he was in charge of the whole case. He says, quote, they were concentrated in one area and shot in one area, end quote. And he thinks it's a um, he thinks it was very uh, what's what's the word? Uh, methodical. Methodical. And he believes there they were hired hitmen mm. because some of the things they did, like, for instance, when they first walk into the door, the older man splits up and he immediately goes to the kitchen mm-hmm. because somehow he knows that there's a cook there. That's Ida. And she actually survived. But he brings her and they concentrate everyone together and then they put them in a central location which is the office well, and they could, make them all lay down on the on the ground on their stomachs could an alter um alternative theory be that they were former employees mm. no 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 every well i mean the survivors have seen their face plenty of times no, no one like for instance melissa uh, snack is the stepdaughter of the uh, bowling alley owner she's she's worked there all her life yeah now, Ida, she does go on record and say that she has seen both of the guys in the bowling alley at one point. They think they were casing the joint or whatever. She has gone on record to say that. But anyway, let's let's kind of move through it a little bit. That was a good point, though, John. Thanks. No, no, it's really a really good point. But it was one of the bloody and probably still is. Mm-hmm. But this is what the paper says. One of the bloodiest mass murders in the state history. And no, and your kids don't even know. No, yeah, yeah. they don't. You know, what's really sad is Cruces is such, especially in 1990, it was a very small town. Yeah. And again, it's a, it's a college town. So for somebody to come into Las Cruces and to do this, they had to be understanding, first of all, what kind of money they come in. New Mexico is not a rich state. Yeah. Right. We are not wealthy at all. Mm-hmm. So a bowling alley, I would not suspect to be a big money maker. So what... What made them choose? Well, what does specifically what does come into through New Mexico, as you said earlier, a lot that could. There you go. We have drugs. So a lot Mm -hmm. of people, including myself, think this may be drug related. Okay. Mm -hmm. So and we'll get to that. But because no one I mean, like the the detectives and you know where Las Cruces is, Mm -hmm. you you know, like, I mean, who's going to go in there specifically? Oh, let's plan to rob this bowling alley. A bowling alley. You you know, And, and not only that. Which I'll bring up. This is a very. This is the point that does it to me. And I was going to say this later, but I'll say it now, so you guys think about it. What makes what makes this case weird as far as a robbery? And this may just be in my mind, but do not most businesses count their money and their bounties at night mm-hmm. and then do their and deposits? De- yeah, they usually have like a deposit safe that you can. So how do in. they know? The money's job. even gonna freaking be there. Yeah. How okay. Do they and know? that's why. That's why you know, 
That's what Jen's point I was have, so great. Actually, I have not freaking heard hardly anyone say that point where a why. And how would they actually know that the no. money? They have to know that the money's counted in the morning. That's mm-hmm. a freaking routine thing. So they're and, either casing it, or they knew somebody who worked in there, or worked there mm-hmm. themselves. But however, if they knew, so let's say, and we're going to get into the case. But okay. if they knew, the killers know that. The money is counted in the morning. Mm-hmm. Why don't they just break in at two a.m. and steal it? And it's when no one was there. Exactly. Bowling alley. It's not like the security exactly. system. No, be that I, fantastic. I can literally exactly. break into a bowling alley right now. It's. I mean, how hard is it breaking into a fucking bowling alley? And what what is the purpose? And in, in that's why a lot of people think it's child. It, it may be something else, not just yeah. random. Okay. I, we definitely police definitely don't believe it's random. If you want to read this. The children were the worst of it. Among the youngest shot and killed February 10th, 1990, was Paula Holguin, Holguin, five. The long-haired little girl with a bullet in her brain crawled to where her father, Stephen Turan, lay face down in the office of Las Cruces Bowl. Mm. She died next to him, a look of terror frozen on her face. This is basically how it works with these two kids. This is fucking heartbreaking. The father, Stephen Turan, comes in. He's holding the two-year-old because that's what you do. Right. The five-year-old's walking by his side, and then he walks into the office, and then probably the first thought in his mind was, why is everyone laying on the floor? Yeah. yeah. And then he sees these men that are pointing a gun at his face. And what what are you going to do? We'll like, save your kids. Cover your kids. I you. mean, You're there's yeah, do exactly. What you can to save your child. As any parent would do, you yeah. do what you have to do to save your child. Yeah. As a parent, you don't give a crap about your life as long as your children are okay. Yep. And you will do anything you can to protect their life. Mm-hmm. So this man literally died for his children. Yeah. And his mm. children died with him. Mm. What a horrible, horrible thing. The only kind of, I wouldn't even say light in this case, is that it's known that he actually was shot first. So he didn't actually see he his, didn't have to watch children his children get killed, mm. especially the the two year old. The two year old is believed to be shot last, and I'll, I'll get to that reason uh. here in a second. Yeah, <laughs> but uh. so this is Stephen Tehran right here, and a little bit about him. He always wanted to be a cop. He studied law enforcement at New Mexico State University. Oh, that's where the mm-hmm. that's, that's in there. Las Cruces. He's only twenty six years old. Wow. Twenty six. Oh, and wow. And he would be, I mean, retiring as a sheriff right now. I mean, because this guy was a straight shooter from no BS, by the book. I mean, he would have made a, an amazing sheriff. A great officer. I mean, he's, yeah. he was already an officer in the military at 26, which oh. is saying a lot. Yeah, that's impressive. You know? How many people typically cross over from military to law enforcement? Oh, a lot. I think I, a lot. Well, yeah. that or the other way around. I've mm-hmm. had a lot of friends go from cop to soldier but yeah a lot of people because I mean, it's like the same domain honestly all right steve Turan always wanted to be a cop he graduated from new mexico state university with a degree in criminal justice he recently applied for the las cruces police department for a job you see there he's actually wearing a police uniform i believe this is in his academy training i'm pretty sure because from what the paper said, he didn't actually get the job yet. It, I mean, but he was a shoe-in, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's just he just applied. So you have a guy that's 26, a first lieutenant in the Army National Guard in New Mexico, and he has two children. 
and he is doing everything he can, including working at a bowling alley as the mechanic. So I'm, I'm guessing mechanic is like, oh, you know, the lanes and, you know, maybe the arcade or, or whatever he can. I mean, he's just doing whatever he can to bring a little bit of money. His wife, Audrey, 24, she's in cosmetology school. And that's where she was that day. So the children was obviously with him. If you watch the, the interview from the wife or the, excuse me, the widow, she loses everything and she doesn't even know it yet. I mean, I mean, imagine being the, the cop that had to call her on the phone. That knew mm-hmm. her husband and knew yeah. her children. Oh, yeah. they all know each other there. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a small, small community. New Mexico. Yeah. New, it, it, New Mexico is a six degree. It's the New Mexico. Yeah. We yeah. Everybody. Because you got to remember, it's Tiny. only two million people. The interview from Audrey is pretty shattering. She says things like, well, you know, when I got the call, and I would be like this too, the police, the cop that called her. She knew something was wrong, and she knew something was wrong with her husband. Maybe not her kids yet, but the cop couldn't even say anything. It's just like, you need to come down to the bowling alley. I would be like that, too. I'm Just please come down here. Just please come down here. You know, yeah. I, I wouldn't have the... I mean, th- imagine the cop that had to make that call. Mm-mm. You know what Who I'm saying? Who was literally yeah, her husband's... Exactly. Co-worker. Exactly. They were co-workers, and, and he was like... Just something happened to Steve. Just come down to the bowling alley. So she gets there. And not only when she gets there, all the surrounding police and everything, they all know who she is, is. you know, and they know what's about to go down. She's about to go in there and well, I don't think she hopefully she didn't actually see her daughters, but she's about to see her dead children and her dead husband right there. I mean, imagine that. Mm. You can't, know, you can't. I mean, I'm at, I don't know. There, there's some very strong people in New Mexico. I'll tell you that. Amen. All the survivors. I can't imagine, man. I can't imagine that shit. The shit they went through. I mean, I can't imagine. Mm-mm. And that's why this case pisses me off. Because like, you know, where are these guys? Why <laughs> did they not catch these? Men? Yeah, exactly. But here's a this is a quote from Audrey. She says the wife uh, quote, I believe Stephen is sending me strength. I believe he and my daughters, my girls, they're all in heaven. God has a mission for them. Steve, too, or Steve took the girls with him because he didn't want to leave them to suffer, end quote. Mm. And then she says about the about the uh, the guys that did this, and this is in the paper. It's very sad. I'll show you in a second. But it says, quote, they've got to be maniacs to do this. What can a two-year-old do? And then she breaks down and says, why my little girls, my babies? And then she she only goes on record and says, she says, quote, it kills me that I couldn't have been there, end quote. She would have accepted death right there to, to be with her daughters. You yeah. could tell that, yeah. man. I mean, she one of her biggest regrets is not being there to be shot and killed. To be with her children. Oh, my God. It's fucking depressing right. as fuck. This is. <sighs> Here, if you want to read this paper, this right quick, just the uh, the headline, that's what it says. Why my little girls, mother asks. She says that, uh, quote, the girls were very, very attached to him, him being Stephen, the, the father, and he was to them. So he walks in there with the two-year-old in his hand. Now, this is the two-year-old right here. If you want to, can you describe her to the listeners? Oh, just a... A beautiful little girl, big brown eyes, bangs, and her hair is in pigtails. 
I mean, she's just a little baby. She's got her little chubby cheeks. Yeah. Look at her little chubby mm-hmm. cheeks. Amen for all us New Mexicans being so fucking cute. When we're <laughs> yes. Look at that little girl. She's beautiful. She's sweet. I'm so sorry, Mama. Mm. What'd you say, Mom? Mamas. Mamas. A, mamas is kind of a common word we use mm. for you talking about another woman. So the the mother, obviously. It's the mamas, yeah. So oh. Stella, we even call my daughter Stella. She's mamas for mm. Chumley. So I'm mamas uh. for my kids. I'm oh, mamas. Okay. It's a, like a mama in Spanish is still mom. Yeah. yeah. But then you put the plural of the S and it kind of envelops the like whole. Like a term of yeah. endearment. That's what's beautiful exactly. about Spanish and stuff like that. Because y'all, it's so, rom- obviously it's a romantic language, mm-hmm. but. Y'all do things like that to like express how or like, much more. Ito and Ita. Yeah. Oh, mija. Yeah. Mijita. Mijita. All my chola friends, Wait. we're backing you up, chicks, man. That's uh-huh. <laughs> right. Before you came, I thought cholo, I thought cholo was a derogatory term. I don't. Well, it depends on where you're from. If you're from New Mexico yeah. or L.A. or even um, places in Arizona, a cholo is kind of like a Chicano. It's it's a mm. you're, yeah. you're cool. You're you're one of the vatos. Vato is a respected man in the community. Mm. So a cholo is. So I would be called that. Obviously, you're obviously Naturally. very much a cholo. Oh. Yes. I, would, I would be El Cholo. Yes, yeah, see, the see, cholo. see, see, El Cholo. <laughs> So you have a Chicanos and you got Pachucos <laughs> and you have Cholos and they're different. I love that. There are different elevations yeah. of yeah, yeah. respect in New Mexico. So we don't have that here in America. In, uh, in a, not in America, no. no. Yeah. Not in America. We don't respect each other. <laughs> <laughs> Only in New Mexico, no. which really is not to, a part of the state. You have to add a like sir ma- like yeah. it's like a sir ma'am. Yeah. But instead of at the end, it's at the beginning yeah. of So your- we just say stuff like, damn girl, you hot. You sexy. Bring that booty instead over of, hey, here. Chiquita. Bring that booty oh over here. Smack, God. smack, smack, That's smack, right. smack. Yeah. So there's really nothing wrong with somebody. Who do you say that to? That's okay with that. Sticking their boobies no in your face and slapping around, and you say "orale, chicana." Orale. Yeah, that's kind of a yeah. That's normal. That's normal orale. in Mexico. All right. Omale. Omale, like, yeah. come over here. Omale. Oh my God! Everybody in New Mexico is laughing at you. It's orale. 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 <laughs> All right. I'm about to like. Dive everyone into a deep depression after that. Okay, <laughs> now that's back okay. To we got babies. some laughs. We back got some smiles. Back to our regularly scheduled <laughs> yeah. murder. So this is a uh, two-year-old Valerie. She was the last to be shot, and she actually was still alive on the scene. And I'll show you photos of her in the hospital. But she was transferred to the Memorial General Hospital. But she died as soon as she got there. If she would have lived. As you're going to see where she got shot, she would have been a paraplegic. Mm. And that, you know, I mean, obviously, there's no way she would have made it through this. But right after they shot her and her being a two-year-old child, the uh, bandits set fire to the scene. They basically put a fire on the desk. So, yeah, you go into the office and it's a pretty small office. It's about the size of the studio, probably even smaller. But there's this big, you know, there's old desks that are like metal. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like the old desk is one of those with the drawers there. Like, squeaky. Ah, squeaky drawers. As you'll see photos of that, they set a fire on that. I don't know exactly what they were trying to do. 
anyone would know that just setting a fire with some papers on the desk is not even going to go past the metal of the, you know, like there was no accelerant found or anything. It was just really quick that they did that. They set the fire and... Was that supposed? Do you think that was their coup de gras with this whole thing? I mean, what was the point in setting it on what fire? What do you mean coup? Was that well, like, like a signature? Like that? Like this is like this is my final my finality. I don't finality. know. That's a, that's a good question. I, you know, maybe someone can uh, research. You know, the signatures of certain uh, mafia cartel or whatever. Yeah. See if they do that same is thing. That something that is normal. Because hmm. I mean, them. a lot of people do think this may be. Um, you know, cartel related, something like that. And if it was, the cartel ain't going to give a fuck about, they don't even know no, the they, story. They, they, and they don't you know, care about they children don't give getting a shit. murdered. Yeah, or I mean, this like is that. daily life. So the fire, the fire was actually reported separately at um, 8.33 a.m. There was a witness across the street that also got the kind of description of the two band banditos running out because they ran out with no mask or anything and you could clearly see his day mm-hmm. who they were but as and you also heard that melissa reported the fire it was actually she was sitting right by the fire the the phone was on the desk the fire was on the desk so she has the phone and is one of those one with the cord that's all mm-hmm. spirally mm-hmm. she is sitting on the floor and there's two dead bodies right beside her and you know including her mother and she is calling 911, saying, oh, you know, my mother's not breathing. She's not responding, is what she said. And she's also saying, well, you remember, she said, it's getting hot. It's burning me. Because she's right next to it. And in fact, the uh, the dispatcher, Jim Hash, he had told her to stay, you know, don't, don't leave the phone. Stay on the phone. So when the police came, even when she saw the police officer that was coming to rescue her, she didn't want to put the phone down because she was, you know, Doing exactly what she was what? told. So this is the the initial sketch of the men. If hmm. you want to kind of describe these guys. Um, this is kind of a, a really bad sketch. The next one is a lot better. One looks like a Bill Cosby. The other one looks like Lionel Richie. <laughs> yeah. Great description, That's honestly. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Is Bill Cosby it, still in prison? No. no. no he He's out? Yeah. What you're looking at right here is the better photos of them. Tell me... I don't know. Tell me, do you do you see any similarities there? It has been said that they these might this might be Papa and Son. Hmm. You see younger on the right there, and somebody in one of the forums said he kind of looked like Eddie Murphy, I believe. Oh yeah, I think I saw Eddie Murphy, but they don't necessarily. They look more Hispanic to me. Yeah, me too. And they do look African American. Both of them, especially the first one. He's mm-hmm. got above his his nose the way his nose is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his eyes, he looks much more Hispanic. And his hair, hair, too. And his hair. hair. Both of their Mm. hair. Well, here's the thing. Now, this is is very important to the story if you're trying to figure out who these people are. And let me get to their their statistics about them. Uh, One is, the first one is a 5 foot 11 short, kinky hair in his 30s. That's the one on the right. Okay. The one on the right in Mm -hmm. his 30s. Short five or five eleven kinky hair. I don't know what that means. It saw it off the uh, newspaper. Like wavy, wavy like, hair, like mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. very very thick. Mm-hmm. The other is a, a tad bit older in his late forties or fifties. He is five foot six, dark and it said heavy set. It doesn't look very heavy set, but this is very important. Both of the men spoke perfect English, perfect English without okay. an accent. No, I didn't say without an oh. accent, but 
But they spoke English. They That's spoke, the difference. They spoke perfect English. So, okay. all right, if they were border crossers, if they came over the border for a quick hit or whatever, would would they not have broken English? I mean, they, yes. their English was spot on from what these witnesses said. They would at least have an accent because people from Mexico have a very specific accent versus New Mexicans. Mm. So if they're saying they spoke perfect English, then I would assume they're from the United States and not from Mexico. That, okay. Yes, that's that's what most people think. Mm -hmm. And I was asking the question, all right, let's say these are hitmen for when I'm got, I'm got to get it and I'm about to get in why they would be hitmen in Mm -hmm. the first place. But it makes sense that one of them's older, one of them's younger, mm-hmm. because, you know, you have, I guess, the older cartel member or whatever training the unit, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just going on in my mind. I don't know how the cartel works. I've never been in the cartel. I never dealt with the cartel. But do they do they like train people how to speak perfect English? And, and they obviously train them. That's a good so question. These That's guys, good question. these guys knew this wasn't their first time. They didn't walk mm-hmm. to a gas station and be like, give me your money, everyone. And, yeah, and yeah. it's all chaotic. They walked in. They rounded everyone up into a central location. That means that they are, they've done it's this organized. before. They've been versed in what's going on in that app bowling alley. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. The fact, and the fact that they would kill a two-year-old made me think, oh, that's got to be some cartel. Because they just don't give a fuck. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? People are like, well, maybe this guy will come forward with a, you know, with his conscious catches up to them no Mm-mm. that's not how it works in the cartel you know what no, i'm saying they don't give a shit about you you know their boss or whatever mm-hmm. probably said no witnesses and exactly and, and so you don't leave any no witnesses. witnesses but then guess who shows up okay yeah we'll kill because it was nothing but adults there right mm-hmm. and a 13 year old but that was you know the, the caller nothing but adults besides her then the father walks in with his five-year-old and two-year-old and oh you know my I don't know if I call him boss, whatever the term is. The guy that is above me mm-hmm. tells me no witnesses. Oh, that means no witnesses. Means I, I'm no not going to call him and be like, yo, there's a two-year-old. What should I do? Yeah. yeah. You got to make the decision and you got to make it quick. Yeah. And you got to make the boss happy. That's what I was thinking. Now, I don't think I'm too far-fetched to say that this no. could have been cartel because I'm mean, so close to the border there, you know, and right. drugs do come up through here. But I don't know, because, I mean, who else is going to shoot a two-year-old? But, but, but that wouldn't imply that the bowling alley had a connection, perhaps, with like, yeah. the drugs. Yeah, we're mm. freaking, we need to get As going As a drug on front. All right, mm. let, let me we're talk kind about. Kind of like the Peruvian chicken place down the corner where we think <laughs> might be. Or the Chinese line. restaurant in New Bedford. Or the <clears throat> other Mexican restaurant that's down the street. But is now thriving. That's popping, yeah. Well, yeah, I buy all my fucking weed there. <laughs> Hey now, just nothing saying. wrong with that, bro. There's great Mexican <laughs> restaurants, but then there's a Mexican Mex- when when there are a lot of really good Mexican restaurants mm-hmm. around, the bad ones should not stay in business. I agree, Melissa. They go fast here. The nine one one caller, Melissa and Amy, who you're looking at now. This is Amy Hauser. Mm-hmm. I believe I said her name right. They were the first to confront the two armed men. Now the men come in, so let, we're start. We're going to walk through the the event as it occurred. They walk in. A witness from the outside said that one of them was carrying a briefcase. The briefcase had a gun in it, and f- from what police surmised, he pulls out the gun. They walk in the front door. Melissa, the nine one caller, 
and Amy Hauser were actually on their way to the vending machine. They were there in the morning. It was before it was opening up. They wanted some, not breakfast, but like a snack. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, talking to her mom is like, you know, do you have any change or whatever? They are on their way to the, the vending machine, which is where Ida is, the the cook. Mm-hmm. the the She's 30-year-old cook. They pass the door, the opening door, and that's when the men come in. They're the first to get confronted. One of the men breaks off. The older man breaks off, goes to the kitchen as if he knows exactly where he's going, and he grabs Ida. Ida is the 30-year-old cook in the kitchen. He rounds her up and the uh, the younger man rounds the two kids up and they herd everyone into the office and into the office in, in the bowling studio police believe that steve actually came in late during this and that the men had no idea that he would be there with his daughters but th- these are the photos right here i'll put these on talkmer.com they're graphic but this is what happened this is a massacre right here in a bowling alley. So, and we'll describe these for you guys. Oh, yikes. So the first one you're looking at, that's the desk, right? Mm-hmm. It's got the uh, the pencil sharpener, that old teacher pencil sharpener. Oh, yeah. You know, and you see the desk is just charred. Charred. Charred up. The photo of the kitchen there, that's where Ida was. And then at the bottom, what is that bottom photo? Shoes, bloody shoes. Uh, there's Is there not just a ton of blood there? Maybe I shouldn't have put four in there, but there's a lot of photos. So I didn't want to like put have a thousand slides. But that photo right there is of some shoes and there is just blood smeared. And it is a lot of blood. It's a lot of blood right there. That bottom photo right there, this is at 8.45 a.m. Now, this is when the police get there. So these are all police photos. Mm. The police now imagine the police that is coming to save Melissa, the nine one one call caller. He is going through the bowling alley, so he is stepping over. So he is stepping over these bodies. these bodies. There's two bodies right there. Do y'all see two of them? Mm-hmm. To They're, get to her. To get to her. So he has to step over them. I'll get to them later. I got to save this, you know, little girl. She's alive, and we yeah, not quite yeah. sure. If exactly. So these are. I mean, these are. Terrifying. I'm surprised that the desk went up like that with no accelerant. Mm. I mean, it looks so many papers. I mean, it's all paper probably, burns. Maybe they use the pencil shavings too. Maybe. I mean, it's it. It looks like um. It it looks like what you would see in your fireplace, like mm-hmm. once the wood's Ash, burned. Yeah. yeah. To hear the survivors describe this, there's only one sense that I really get when she is in the office, and as we're about to get to, when the baby stops crying. The silence after the men are gone, the the sheer the sheer silence in the lobby, not in the office where she's calling, but outside the dead bodies are just laying there and the eerie silence so early in the morning of this massacre. That is what I was thinking of. That is terrifying yeah. to me. I mean, to walk in there even as a police and looking at these uh, the victims. Here's another one right here. This is a, the five-year-old. Mm. This is her. She shot in the head, you see. And there's uh, the, the first photo there is of a uh, doctor trying to give aid. And, I mean, she's, she's dead right there. I mean, that's a, that's a little girl just dead right there, you know, in the bowling alley. You can tell that they were trying to see if they could revive her by what's on top of her. 
Mm-hmm. So they've got the neck brace, they've yeah. got the tubes, they've got the chest. They're trying to keep, it looks like, the chest from bleeding out. Do you see the sealant around her chest? Mm. So that, that, yeah, that clear... That's what that is. Okay. It's sealant to um, probably take the blood out. Do you see the tube that's going from it that's yep. red? Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're probably trying to get the blood out of her chest and seal it so she doesn't um, have a... She probably has a collapsed lung, oh. but not to make it worse. So they put a chest tube in her. Got it. Mm. And so they're trying to save her. It looks like they're also putting their hands on top of some of the bullet holes on her head uh-huh. to stop the bleeding. Because there's a lot of blood, as you can see, at the bottom of it coming from her head. Oh, yeah. So that poor little girl was... She was executed. She was executed. I mean, they, they, uh, everyone yeah. was shot in the head. This, this is execution. This this isn't. Which also makes him like the the cartel aspect seem like a, a possibility. Very real. Oh yeah. yeah oh very yeah. Real. Because mm-hmm. five thousand dollars, they don't give a that's, fuck about the money. In fact, they left change. a lot of the money in the fucking safe. So did it's it like have they took to do... it just to fucking take so, it. So so who? So then what was what was the goal? What was the motive? Five thousand, right. not a lot for a drug cartel. Well, this is unsolved, so no one really knows the motive. Was it the cop? And he was. That's a good question. That's a good he? question. Right? Yeah. The cop, but the yeah. cop, Steve. No one knew he was going to be there. If this was a planned hit, there was only supposed to be four people in the in the place mm-hmm. opening it up. Mm-hmm. Most adults, besides the thirteen year old, Steve was not supposed to be there. He came in. He comes in. It's like either a complicated drug cartel hit. Or, most people or it think was he was a, a a like petty crime, like to get a couple thousand bucks. But right? no, but to a complicated drug hit and Las Cruces at a bowling alley at nine in the morning. It's that, not that, logical. That's it's not. that's ridiculous mm-hmm. to me. It's not logical. You know? So then, but it, a random attack in Las Cruces at a bowling alley at nine in the morning. Also weird. Also, also weird. Mm-hmm. So like, what the fuck is it? But we're gonna get some more. T- what I kind of think it it might be because I did some additional research. But awesome. This is more of the blood. This is a bigger picture of the blood. You see, it's just smeared, man. Everywhere there's the blood. Burn. What's that? Look at all the paper burn. Oh, that's what it. that is. That's all burn. Oh, is that the paper that's shredding? Paper burns. So all oh, of yeah, that looks there. like socks to me. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, bowling socks. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was socks. Yeah, that, bowling, that's uh, the paper and her bowling bag. The yeah, that's okay. So there you go. So I I would have thought that was a purse. It's a bowling bag. That's a bowling bag. It looks like a bowling bag. To yeah, me. it does look yeah. like an old fashioned bowling bag, bowling bowling bag. Mm-hmm. and this is the 1990s. So they get there, they round everyone up, and like Melissa says, and even some of the other witnesses, where's the money? Where's the money? Open the safe. Where's the money? Type of shit, you know? And so they do, they oblige, they get the money, and then they execute them. They were looking for money, apparently, but no, I I don't think anyone serious about this case believes that that was the prime motive. Here's a little... uh, Giffy video of the the girl oh, like and one of the bodies. Oh no, I don't like that. Oh my so god! I'll skip past that real quick. And this is just the crime scene photos, guys. This is like very terrifying. You see, he's just laying there. That's that's him. That's Steve just laying there. You know, I mean, he just came in. Look at it, the clothes he's wearing. He he was a he's a mechanic. He's a lieutenant in the Army National Guard. And just trying to make ends meet. 
so his wife can go to uh, can finish cosmetology school. That who you're looking at dead on the floor was the next sheriff of Las Cruces. That's what everyone said in the interviews. He's they were he was such a straight shooter lieutenant. Always did the right thing. Even the brother, the brother. If you watch the interview of the brother. In tears, he says he keeps a photo. There's one photo he keeps at his desk the whole time. And if he's thinking about doing something that he shouldn't do or, you know, should I do this or not? He looks at that photo and it's like his own little brother's looking down at him and telling him to do the right thing. That's how that's what Steve was. Mm. I mean, I mean, I don't know who says only the bad guys die. I don't think anyone says that. This the good people that usually die. I mean, we know that. Just more of the photos here. You can see just no chance of no chance of uh, survival here. If you want to read this, Jen, this is just about the children at the middle school, like how they take this and stuff. All of it starting at officials? Or? Yeah, yeah. Officials at University Hills Elementary, where Paula Holguin had been enrolled, and Lynn Middle School, where Amy Hauser and Melissa Sinak attended classes, tried to help their classmates understand the tragedy. I have lots of wet eyes this morning, especially at the eighth grade level, said Doris Hamilton, principal of Lynn Middle School. Amy Hauser was an eighth grader who worked part-time at the bowling alley. Melissa Sinak is in sixth grade. Vince Rivera, University Hills principal, said that it was not easy deciding what to tell the younger children. You're thrusting something at them that they don't really understand. They see it on TV, and that's fantasy, but this is reality. How can they understand that? Yeah, so I'll put that in there because, you know, Jen... She's got the education um, uh, background. So, you know, always think about that because they're going to go to school and be like, hey, where's where's Paula? I haven't seen her today. And then the teachers in the back of their mind are like, how are we going to do this? The principal says the principal says, quote, I have a lot of wet eyes this morning, especially at the eighth grade level. End quote. I mean, how do, how would you even say, hey, um, Paula's dead because two men came and shot up a bowling alley shot her in the head like how do you even say that shit mm. you well, gotta tell them something it's but. a reality for the elderly so their grandparents mm. are gonna die but it's not normal for their it's peers not, to die their peers should right. not be killed yeah but Jen yeah. you have to think about Murdered. this quite a, not quite a bit but you know if this happened you would definitely be in the situation where you would have to Maybe draft an email or something. No, I wouldn't necessarily be involved in the communication process. That most likely would come from our principal who or, you know, someone, uh, one of the principals would would put out a statement, um, send out, an you know, an email or a phone dialer, you know, to to the to the community, the parents. And what would happen after is that, you know, counselors would need to be available, you know, for our student body. When we had a, um, a staff member pass away last year you know we it's different than than, i mean but similar because you know students deal with the staff members as well um but you know we had all all counselors were in the media center um we had to like clear our calendars they had a chaplain come in from the district and you have a district chaplain like that's what he does is yeah so just for the school chaplain, that's cool. Well, not the school. I, mean, I just think he for works like for the district. The... He either works for the district or at one of the um, one of the churches in yeah. in the district okay, area, cool. um, who is available. Huh. But yeah, it's happened a couple of times too at um, at work where a an employee has passed, and so that's a big part of like yeah. coordinating how you tell the 
the team. But it's different because you coordinate you, you grief know. counselors to come into. Well, I mean, but Nicole does play a direct role in that. HR is is involved in yeah. things like that. So like, it's not like telling an eight year old. No, no. But you're still. telling adults. Yeah, you're telling adults. But I remember having a convert like be even um, when. The shooting happened in Charl in or in Charleston downtown. Yeah. The AME. oh yeah, you were here. Um, yeah. I was living here, and we had a very big call center in North Charleston where there's a large African American community, and the church was African American. So I had to go um, to our North Charleston call center and just go like be a presence, interact, see if anyone like knew anyone that was sh- you know a part of the shooting, just like temperature check, make sure everyone was okay. And there was someone who was a part of um, the shooting. And I don't know if you remember. Remember when there was a there was an active shooter downtown? Yes, I, yeah, I, I remember. Virginia's on King. I was at MUSC. But that was when it was, that a, happened. It was it, like a targeted one, right? He was, um, it was a disgruntled former employee, and he shot. So I knew um, there was an employee whose husband was a chef in the in the Charleston community, and knew. One of the chefs who was killed in that shooting. Oh, somebody and, was killed. Yeah, I, I don't remember yeah, somebody yeah. being killed. So I like remember having to, you know, deal with like, okay, we have this employee who knew the person who was killed. Like it, it's, you know, it's a terrible. What thing. What happened to the guy? Did he the the shooter? I don't remember honestly. Because like I, I think heard. he killed. He, he, I think he died. I don't know. If I can't remember. But it's a sad, you know, from school schools and. In big corporate offices, like you have to plan for active shooting drills. Like it's yeah, a training a, every year yeah, that I have to take part in. Take yeah. My daughter goes through active shooting yeah. all, every year. They do two or three active shooting exercises mm-hmm. in Rio Rancho Public School. What do you think Crazy. about that? It's hard because when I was in school, I think there, we were at the end of the Cold War. Yeah, y'all do the duck so and covers. Duck and cover it, as a joke, but we are actually past that part. So to hear that your children... Yeah, but, have yeah. to learn how to hide under their desk, lock a door, get their phone so they can contact somebody when somebody is shooting at them. Yeah. And, and and hope for survival. If I may say something, kudos to her employer for doing mm-hmm. that for all of those people that needed to have that because mm-hmm. a lot of employers don't have enough action involved with their employees yeah. to do that. Uh, we've had several suicides at my um, work, and they were very kind to provide us the right amount of education, um, counseling, because these were people who had to cut their sisters and brothers out of trees who'd hung themselves or shot themselves. Damn, we didn't get any of that in the military, man. We had, we've had a lot at our at our place of work, and, and the HR department has come in and really enveloped their employees, and it sounds like Nicole's HR department did the same thing. You enveloped your community to say that we're here for you, yeah. and that's what um, UNM did for us. They enveloped us yeah. and said— we are going to be here for all of our employees, for everybody. Yeah. It's Amen. hard. Yeah. It's hard. Why didn't they do that for the military? I mean, like we had guys kill themselves, and it was just more yeah. of a silent thing. It was like, well, yeah, yeah, Exa- well, well exactly. Like, Where right, do we well, even shit. start with that, John? Where do you even <laughs> yeah, begin to start with them? That that's an open-ended yeah. question. That's never going to have a true. It's answer. a loaded question. Well, it's a loaded yeah. question. Not the, for me because I'm a. I can I can talk about that all day long. Well, it, and now kind of going back to the school things, it's interesting, especially at high school. If something mm-hmm. were to happen like that. They kids would know about it before coming to school the next day. Oh yeah, yeah. Nowadays, with social media, 
So th- back then, yeah, that's like, what do you even say? How do you tell them that something yeah. happened? But yeah, this is a very different area. Yeah. A, a different Well, you think era. they would understand? You think the kids there in New Mexico would kind of be like, oh, maybe it's drug cartel? Like, do I they really understand that stuff? I don't know. I, think I really maybe not at that age. At that yeah. time, yeah. at that, in 1990, it was a much different drug situation in New yeah. Mexico. Yeah. That was when Pablo now. was. He was 90s, right? Pablo? He was actually, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the cocaine and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It was very different. And Las Cruces was a lot smaller than it was very, very small. Where it's it's our third largest city now above huh. San. So it's Albuquerque, Santa, excuse me, Albuquerque, Santa Fe, and Las Cruces. So oh, wow. The, it, oh. It's Las Cruces and Santa Fe kind of fight for who's got more yeah. people in yeah. it. Yeah. But so Las Cruces is a, is a big city now, whereas back in 1990, it was not. It was just a college town. Wow. Good college town, by the way. All right. I know I'm kind of throwing a bunch of uh, death photos and stuff, but this is the scene here. It's kind of a little video of the death scene. You see, it's just a massacre, man. Oh, man. These two guys just oh, walked no. in and just. I mean, you see the bullets on it's the ground. It's actually a very big office area. That's mm-hmm. uh, well, well, surprisingly happening. Well, this is the. Um, so. It seems like the the Steve and his daughter actually crawled out of the office because I think they're in the lobby there. It looks like they're in the lobby. If you go back to Steve. And yeah, this little girl. Yeah. Where's the, I don't want to be macabre, but where's the baby? The two-year-old. I saw She's the right fire. Oh, okay. Thank you. Mm. So she was alive enough for them to at least get her to uh, As soon as hospital. she got there, she, she was. pronounced her. Yeah. This is this is the the worst thing about this case. Captain Fred Rubio said about Steve walking in unexpectedly and surprising the killers. And maybe that kind of pissed him off. But he says, quote, that reinforces to my way of thinking that the killers didn't know they were going to have seven people in there, end quote. So they might have been pissed off that there's now three more people. Now, she is Valerie is a two year old. And Steve was killed relatively quickly. Then Paula, if you remember, she, the daughter, the five-year-old, she crawls over to her dad and they die together. Or he's most likely already dead. The last to die was the one that made it to the hospital. The last to get shot. The baby was the last. Yeah, she was the last to get shot. I want you guys to think about how she was shot. She's the last person to get shot. She is a two-year-old. She's a baby. She was shot at point-blank range in the forehead. In the forehead. So right in the middle, in the forehead. Everyone else is dead or dying. To shoot the child, and she was cl- shot at close range. So giving you all that information, what does that mean to you? Yeah. She's shot at close range. She shot in the forehead and she's the last one as a two-year-old to be shot Shoot to kill my opinion would be drugs no no no, no. like what i'm trying to say I'm is how, if if you're the killer how would you accomplish that how would you shoot now this is just uh the science behind it if you will how would you shoot a two-year-old that is yay tall very small that is on the ground because her dad is dead, so she is down there. How would you shoot her at close range in the forehead? You'd have to bend down to shoot her at close range. 
if she's on the yeah. ground it crawling. Is, it is thought that as the baby was crying, she was the last one. And this is where it really gets eerie as far as the sound, the silence, because the baby's crying. And then then it goes silent. So but the thinking is that the killer and I don't know if it was the older man or the younger man, but actually picked up Valerie, the two year old, cradled her, put the gun right to her head while she was in his arms, because that is the only way after looking at the, the the way the bullet went in and where the it actually got stuck in her skull. That's how they knew that it was however they did that. But they actually surmised that the killer, one of the guys, the older, or younger, picked her up and she was the last one to get shot, kind of cradled her. That's the best way to put it, like in his left arm and put the gun right to her head. And then, so to do that to a baby, because he's, he's looking at her head, at her eye, in her eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And having her in his arm, that is, that is just fucked. That's beyond You know what I'm saying? That is just, that makes me think that that is a cartel, no witnesses, but, but to to obviously, I mean, that's why when, when I see, oh, maybe their conscience will catch up to him. You don't have a conscience if you pick up a two-year-old and put the barrel directly on Mm -hmm. her forehead. What conscience do you expect? Mm -mm. Um, Also, I I just thought of this. I I was going to throw this in earlier. Keep in mind that like the survivor, Melissa, and, you know, the survivors of this Ida, they're now living in fear because that has never been solved. They're still living in fear. Well, maybe they're going to come back and finish me off. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You, I mean, they think about this every day, yeah. even 30 years later. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they're thinking, well, I mean, this was terrible, but am I next? Like, is this like, am I unfinished business? I just wanted to throw that out there. If they're willing to kill a two-year-old and a five-year-old yeah. child, then your life literally means nothing to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And they could easily hunt you down and find out where you're at. Right. Yeah. So wrapping That's up. scary. So wrapping up the case, over 300 suspects questioned. Fred Rubio said, Quote, they were not complete strangers in the area. They didn't just drive by and say, oh, this looks like a good place to rob. There were other places open, end quote. And plus, like, how would they know that the money was going to be counted in the morning? Now, let me go down a a road really quick. This is the bowling alley owner. Everyone thinks he's a shade queen. This is Ron Cenac. At the time, he was living in the bowling alley. Oh, But during the weekend... During this Saturday, he was at a golfing term or at a golfing event with a friend. Now he hardly never leaves. I'm not saying he he had anything to do with it, but we what we do know, and this is going to be really quick speculation. The bowling alley was in massive debt. I saw in one newspaper over a million dollars in debt. Interesting. Not I, we don't know. It's never been proven that Ron was directing drug traffic through there. But we do know that his his son, Steve, and I'm not saying he did anything, but his son, Steve, was at the crime scene and like it's at 8.15, he pulls in, he goes in, gets a bag, he leaves, he sees the two men there, he didn't think anything about it, and then he leaves. Hmm. That is a little shady to me. It's always been a little shady to me. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Ron, the owner here, 
Ron, and this guy's a piece of shit. I'm going to say it right now because before the bot and his stepdaughter is like Melissa, yeah. before the bodies were buried, he reopened the place for business. Before everyone was buried, within a week, he's reopening it. Come on, come on. And, and how he explained it. Well, there's a lot of church people that like the bowl and shit. The bodies haven't even been put in the fucking ground yet. And you're yeah. reopening to make money. Yeah. You're a piece of shit. I don't care, you know, what I say. You're a piece of shit. Everyone knows it. But his son, who there was never conclusive evidence that not Steve, not Steve, but the youngest son, mm-hmm. RJ, and I'm quickly going over this. A lot of his speculation. Mm-hmm. RJ was, he did die of an overdose of drugs like three years later. People, a lot of people believe that RJ or even Ron, the father, or even Steve were doing drug operations in the bowling alley that was their outfit to do drug operations number one ron cnac the owner you're seeing right there has is a very shady businessman in massive debt has been has been sued multiple times and is just and and was out of town i mean he his finances were so bad that he was living at the bowling alley yeah you know and now he's rich enough to go to golf tournaments or something he never That's goes, but that one weekend he was gone. He was gone. Let, let me tell you my. Hmm. Let me tell you how I think this may have went down. Maybe it was an inside job. They did know about it. They definitely didn't know that they were going to kill Baby. the babies or even anyone. But when you're dealing with hitman, you're not going to be like, I'm not going to pay it because you weren't supposed to kill anyone or even right. say anything. You're just right. going to shut the fuck up and hope you never get arrested. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And. RJ, the youngest son, kills himself three years later. Well, not kills himself, Mm. but the drug overdose. Obviously, there's drugs in the family. Ron, living at the bowling alley, well documented that he spent money foolishly. Massive debt. The bowling alley was in massive debt. He actually sold it after this all happened. And he sold it twice. Well, he sold it once and then the other guy sold it to someone else. But it's not open anymore. I don't know what it is now. Nothing, I, I'd imagine. I they should fucking it's tear it down. Empty. When I, last time I went yeah. to Las Cruces, I believe we when we drove by, it was empty. Mm. So you actually drove by it and yeah, stuff. I've yeah, I've been to Las Cruces several times. They should just fucking says, tear it down. Yeah, tear it down. Some some things like that, just tear it down. Put a memorial there. Tear it Especially down. Especially when children. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mexico is very um, religious. Mm. Oh yeah, very religious. Very very high in Catholicism. So Ron was in Tucson that weekend playing golf. He opened back up before the funerals even started. He was very uncooperative with the police. All the the police that were trying to get in touch with him and stuff like that. Because Ron goes on TV and is like, I was, you know, doing this, that, and the other, and I wanted to do a polygraph test. Yeah, it sounds great. But then when you talk to the police in charge, they were like, no, he was very uncooperative and we did not get a polygraph test. And he was he just did not want to talk to us. Mm-hmm. His son, RJ, also did not want to talk to us. He would answer the basic questions, but he wouldn't give us any more. Mm-hmm. You got a dead baby and four other dead people in there. You're not going to talk about it. Yeah, Come you're on. Not, and you're shutting your mouth. Yeah, What's exactly. That yeah. That's very. Well, suspicious. you're shutting your mouth be- yeah. because Why? maybe, yeah. you know. How does it implicate you? Well, right. yeah, that and, you know, if 
let's say there was a cartel involvement, you're going to be like, ah, you got me. I was working with a cartel. Yeah. I mean, that's a death sentence right there. Cartel's already, you're dead before you even said right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're exactly. already dead before you can even blink an eye for that one. This is speculation, but th- this is Jeez. all true. The, the fact that he's in debt and his mm. son died of a drug overdose, that is all true. But the things I'm saying about, well, maybe drug operations and stuff like that, yeah. that's speculation. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, RJ, as I said, he was a younger brother of Steve. Steve actually left minutes before. He saw the two men loitering there, didn't say anything, and left. Kind of weird. Yeah. To me, kind of weird. I don't know. Let me see. The RJ was employed at the uh, bar of the bowling alley. He wasn't there that day. He was a he had a cocaine addiction. And he was, quote, this is from the police, quote, very distant, really blank face, never gave more than what we asked, end quote. R.J. died in 1997 of a drug overdose at 36. There was one other lead. Now, there's only two basic leads that come in. And, you know, that's it. Like, no one has any idea who did this. There was a a woman, a local drug addict named Irma uh, Tijerina. I probably mispronounced that. She was a... uh, like a local prostitute, drug addict. She actually died of, um, in 2001 of a drug overdose. But she claimed that she harbored the two men after ah. they they shot the place up, robbed it. They came and met her through drugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. She put them up in her little apartment, her shanty. And she actually said as the helicopters were flying over, because they actually shut down the interstate and were ah. trying to find who did this. Mm-hmm. As the helicopters were flying over... The two men were like, well, this they're looking for us, you know, kind of shit. And then they crossed the border and went back towards Mexico. Uh-huh. She said that as a lead to the detectives, passed a polygraph test. But also she's a drug addict. She did recant her statement, but she passed the polygraph test. And what she said to me that she harbored these guys. And she not only that, this is really important. She knew more about the case than was let on with the public. The police, okay. the police pu- purposely hold information. Uh-huh. You know, so if you do know the information, then okay. You're yeah. credible. You're and credible. Yeah. She was credible. She was a credible witness. She knew information about it. And she recanted her statement. When you recant your statement, they're pretty much fucked. You can't do anything. Plus, she's a drug addict. And she's already like it despite would, her character not a right. credible witness. Yeah, it wouldn't hold up in in any court system. Plus she didn't actually know the identity of the men. They were just regular hitmen from somewhere in Mexico. They were just there because they they offered her drugs and that's what she wanted. That was it. And she recanted her statement and died in 2001. So, uh one last one last uh sort of lead if you will this is a uh, paper a few weeks before there was a, a gas station worker killed in a robbery and if you listen to ron sinak the the guy that was playing golf and mm-hmm. quite possibly has a lot to do with the case right he brings this up all the time well the police need to be looking in this gas station robbery and and uh, murder that happened a few weeks ago is probably something with that basically a few weeks before a, a gas station worker was slain in a in a basic robbery maybe it's related maybe the killers were just looking to you know for a hit you know to make some money I, just throwing it out there i don't know i will say that donna anna county sheriff Cooney saracino said quote lately i've seen an increase in homicides 
quote, but you don't see many execution style. I've seen where there are four people were killed, but not little kids, end quote. So, and that's pretty much the case. What do you guys think? And here's one more, the last little photo. Uh, Photo of the little girl that was um, Valerie that was slain, killed, shot in the forehead. Very sad. What do you guys think uh, as far as uh, any... I mean, what I told you is everything about the case. Everything you're going to know, most people, you either think is random. Mm -hmm. You either think that they came from the Mexico as a, a random hit or maybe a, a hired hit. Maybe the cartel or even a smaller gang was in uh, doing drug deals with RJ or whatever. Doing drug deals, a perfect place, a bowling alley. And something went sour. We obviously know the owner is in massive debt. He opens up the bowling alley three days after this happens. I mean, obviously, he's fucking in debt. You know, obviously, he's sleeping in the bowling alley. You are not making good life choices, sir. Blood is barely even being cleaned up, and he's opening it up. Exactly. That's so disrespectful. It is. So people think that it... I don't know. What do you guys think? You think, what do you guys think? I think that the, the, I presented, I presented pretty much all the things. Yeah. So what do you guys, go ahead, Jen. I think that the owner has something to do with it. I wouldn't be surprised. Everyone, if you watch the video of him, you're like, dude. Because isn't he real shady when you, he's he's super fucking shady. He's just kind of like, his, if I remember, his eyes were real big and they like shot around and he was not, Mm. he's, yeah. The, uh, the documentary, uh, which I pulled a lot of the photos from, they actually interview him and you will be surprised how shady and not caring that there's dead people. Like doesn't give a fuck at all. How can you not care about children dying? Do we know if he got like any insurance money or anything from it happening? Oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't even think about that. I hope not. Because otherwise... He did sell it. I don't know how much uh, for, but uh, it was in massive debt. It was like in a million dollars of debt. Well, I wonder, like, what would his gain be if he was involved? I mean, surely if he was involved in some sort of drug trade, you get... Well, so if they set a fire to it, you know, and it burned down... Okay, that's insurance money. But, you know, if you're working with the cartel and you do a deal with them and you're specific, don't kill anybody, especially not babies, and then... The three people walk in unexpected. Now the scene is in chaos to these hitmen. And you know, what are you going to do? I told you not to kill anyone. You going to say yeah. that to the fucking hitmen? Well, I think also they're going to fucking execute everyone. She called them African Americans, but and by the looks of them, they looked more Hispanic to mm-hmm. me. They look like they could possibly be yeah. from El Paso, I've never, New Mexico. I've looked everywhere. There is not. No one has said specifically if they're black or, or Hispanic. But aside from her, uh, aside from her, but call, she was, saying, but she was twelve. She, she was twelve. Yeah. But she'd been Steve, shot. But the Steve, which was at the time twenty five or twenty six, the the son of the bowling alley. Owner, Mm-hmm. who just happened to fucking walk out and see the men and then get in his truck and walk off or drive off. He saw the guys right there and loitering. What, and what did he say? That's who he described them as. Really? The the photos you okay. saw. Mo- okay. Which is mostly aligning with an, a Hispanic d- versus African-American. Hispanic, but perfect English. Perfect English is really the, but the very really good dark, thing that you're saying. Real dark. Because at first, Melissa calls and he says they're black, two black men. But she was only like given, like she was, again, she was 12. She was, had been shot in the shot. head. 
And the uh, um, the nine one one operator didn't leave it open. He was like, "Were they white or black?" He didn't really. Well, say. How, how many? What's the black population in uh, New Mexico? It's got to be percent. It's got to be small. very small. You know what I'm saying? Well, like I remember, I was telling you. So my my biological father was explained to me to be six foot two, six foot three, and his skin. She, my biological mom, said that he was almost black. His skin mm. was so dark mm. that he was black. So. Yeah, you're mixing. So my my biological other side is white, um, English, and and um, Irish. So if you mix that with somebody who's got really really dark skin, you're gonna get a medium mm-hmm. tone like I have. Yeah. So like a perfect tan. So right, it is perfect. <laughs> so you're you're Sun looking glow. at so Hispanics are going to be usually our Hispanic population is not very tall. The the Hispanics are kind of um, short people. So they're five, eight and under. That's kind mm-hmm. of so if if you're talking about a tall person and they look Hispanic, now are you talking about a Native American or are mm-hmm. you talking about somebody who's Native American and Indian? Because our the Na- the Native Americans aren't traditionally yeah. in New Mexico. They're hmm. going to be taller hmm. than your average. That's Hispanic. a good point. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the so height isn't is interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way they explained him. Is so did did I do a pretty decent oh, job? You did and an uh, awesome job. Do y'all, have, do, y'all, do y'all like this? I know it was kind of mm-hmm. depressing, Great. but you requested Sorry. this. So. <laughs> the Las Cruces out bowling alley. The next first, episode, yeah. the episode for Thursday, we're putting out. Um, we're going to a prison. Folsom. What do you know? No it? way. The new the New Mexico <laughs> State Prison. The riot. We're, we're also going to New Mexico. <gasps> oh, a riot! And not only that. Good. Not only that. I. Um, so I went above and beyond on the next case. There is a book written by someone who was involved in the riots. <laughs> and it is written in the tone that a convict would write about. Awesome. So Jen's going to be reading a lot about booties. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need about, some more drinks. The, the, word I, the word they use a lot is, quote, cornin. End quote. Corn. Oh, no. We know what that is from the Pee Wee Gaskins case. Cornin. There's a lot, of, a lot of corning going on. But yeah, so we're going to mm. talk about the prison riot. And I'm going to go into it. Terrifying. What they did to not only their own prisoners, but the people who, the guards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They cut their weenies off and shit. Mm-hmm. They they, well, they've their, done, they, yeah, they, they did learned, a lot more than that. They, they did, Holy they, shit. We're going to get, a, we're going to get into it in a pretty. Can't wait. Pretty good That's a good one. It's uh. That's yeah, very one. unheard of. But I was looking up some stuff. You know, I wanted to do some stories for you. In my understanding, it's the most violent prison riot oh, in all yeah. of United States American history. Oh, right. It oh, is bloody and terrifying. <laughs> Don't fuck with Nuevo Mexico. Oh, yeah. For real. Holy shit. I mean, even oh, the, co- the, co- the National Guard were there. And yes. everyone stayed. I've got a photo of... Everyone, all the cops, there was like 300 cops involved, National Guard. They're all standing outside mm-hmm. of the prison. They would We're not in. fucking going up in there. Mm-hmm. Just let it play out. <laughs> and they it did. did. And they did. It was like, it's like a fucking horror movie. And they showed, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a ton of pictures on of Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. So. Horrible. We're going to be going that one. And, that's uh, awesome. so, <laughs> oh, my God. So be sure to wait to third. That's a good one. Yeah. But I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I know it's kind of uh, oh, thank you, thank you so much, Sydney. Sydney on live chat said uh, great job. 
So we got a lot of new Supremos, man. You guys got to get on live chat. We do these things every uh, Sunday or Saturday. We usually tell you when we're about to do them, but we're here and we're talking to you guys and, you know, we're having a good time getting drunk, obviously. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Having a good time. That was a good drink, Jen. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Jen. That was very good. You're welcome. But this is the Talk More To Me podcast. I I really appreciate you guys listening and we'll be back on Thursday. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.